Welcome to Christ the King. When I was in a seminary, I learned that you could take any proper noun and add an IC to it and make it an adjective. So the Psalms of David are often referred to as the Davidic Psalms. I think we could call our weather for the past couple of weeks Noahic weather. So thank you all for uh, being here on this uh, soggy morning. We are in a sermon series. We're wrapping up a sermon series on the stories of Jesus. This is a three for one. We're going to look at three of, of Jesus' parables. We're going to ask what those parables mean. We're going to think of how they apply to us. Let's jump right in. As we look at these parables, let's just think about what these parables are saying. Uh, you can tell right from the get-go they have a very common subject matter. Uh, the common subject matter is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It is like that. Now, the kingdom of heaven, you may be aware, is a very, it's a very common theme in the Bible, especially a very uh, common theme in Matthew's gospel. The kingdom of heaven refers to Christ's influence, his reign, and his rule that he began when his ministry began. Remember one of the first words of Jesus? Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is here. And that reign continues even now. We say in our creeds that Jesus ascended into heaven, not because we believe that Jesus went up vertically. We believe that he ascended uh, to his place as a king. He is, the, he is the ruler of the church. He is the Lord of the world. He is uh, the Lord of those who call upon him. And that's what the Bible means when it says the kingdom of heaven, God, Christ's good and gracious reign. So that's the common subject. These parables have a common noun. They have a common verb as well. The common verb is growth. How does the kingdom grow? You'll see that very self-evident in the uh, the parables. The kingdom grows like this. It grows like that. So the, just to be clear, this, these couple of parables are assuming that there is a seed of faith already planted. And it's asking, how does, how does it grow? There are other parables that talk about receiving the kingdom. There are other parables that talk about the nature of the kingdom. There are parables that talk about the value of the kingdom. Those are all great parables, but this parable is talking about how does it grow? And we can think of that in a personal way? How does the influence of Christ grow in my life? We could think of that in a more, that's a very appropriate application. We could think of uh, growth in a more broad sense of how does Christ's kingdom, his church, grow here? How does the influence of Christ grow in his world? We could think more broadly, again, a very appropriate application. So, common subject, Kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, common verb, grow. And there's a common qualifier to each one of these. And this is where the parables get kind of interesting. And the interesting thing about these parables is growth always has a caveat. Growth is not, is complicated by some factor. And that's the surprising thing we want to take a little bit of time to explore. In each one of these parables, the kingdom is growing. Yes, great. But in each of these parables, there's a little asterisk. Hmm. It's not growing like you may think it should grow. It's growing in unexpected ways. And I want to look at those unexpected very quickly. The kingdom of heaven grows. How does it grow? It grows like a, a man sowing wheat. And the wheat grew up. A few verses later, Jesus will explain this parable. It really needs no explanation. It's self-explanatory. Uh, the sower is the son of man. The sower is Christ. He sows good seed, wheat, and some of that wheat grows. And the wheat are the sons of the kingdom. That's you and me, people who have trust in Christ and follow him. Ah, 
but something else happens. Another sower comes along and sows uh, weeds. The scholars tell us that the weeds are actually called darnel, D-A-R-N-E-L. It looks a lot like wheat. And uh, there was agricultural sabotage was so common that there are actually Roman laws that forbade this very practice of someone sneaking into a field, scattering darnel among the wheat. Uh, because it was a, uh, not only was it not wheat, it also happened to be poisonous. So if the wheat was harvested along with the wheat, mm, whole crop is gone. So the wheat grows with the weeds. And what's surprising is that Jesus instructs, tells us that this is how it's supposed to be, or at least how it's going to be, is uh, the question, should, should I reroot up the weeds? Should we take out the bad stuff? And again, Jesus explains this parable and says, an enemy is the devil. And the weeds are the things that are not of God, the evil things of this world. And Jesus surprisingly says, no, 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 let the two grow together. And so the first surprising factor about the growth of the kingdom of heaven is that it, bad stuff grows right along with it. Good stuff, the, the good stuff doesn't overwhelm the bad stuff, right? First complicating factor. Second complicating factor is the size. Kingdom of heaven. Now, doesn't that sound big? Kingdoms are big. Heaven, heaven's big, sounds big. Compared to a mustard seed, now, the, the, the complicating factor is the disproportion or the lack of proportionality. Mustard seeds are not actually the smallest of all seeds. I don't know who that award goes to, but mustard seeds are really, really small. If you took your service leaflet, uh, it's about two millimeters thick, and that's the diameter of a mustard seed. And so the, surprise, the complicating factor of the growth of the kingdom in this parable is the lack of proportionality, the big kingdom of heaven, and, and the really inauspicious beginnings, small and tiny. Hmm. Third surprising factor of the growth of the kingdom is its hiddenness. Did you see, uh, did you hear in our parable that a woman took some yeast and she didn't just, just didn't place it in the dough, uh, or I guess a flour at that stage. She hid it. She hid the yeast in the dough. When I was a bachelor, I had a bread maker. Remember in the 90s, like making bread was kind of a thing. And I had a bread maker. I think, uh, I, think I thought it increased my eligibility. Uh, I don't know if that, was, if that was a factor or not, but... So I had a bread maker. And every once in a while, I would get some flour and whatever other ingredients you put in a bread, and you mix it all together, and you take just a little, little teaspoon of yeast. And when I say little, we're talking eighth of a teaspoon. And you take that yeast, dump it into the bread machine, and it would, if you've had these things, you know how they work, they kind of chugga, 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 and then mix the yeast in with the dough, and then you walk away, and something happens by magic. <laughs> what happens is that yeast just sort of permeates and percolates, and you can't see it, you can't measure it, uh, but you come, if one comes back in an hour or two, or however, day or two, all of a sudden that lump of useless dough has become an edible loaf of bread because the yeast has worked without being seen. 
So three complicating factors to the growth of the kingdom. Remember, the subject is the kingdom. The verb is its growth. The, the caveat is growth is complicated. How is, it co how is it complicated? The growth of the kingdom is, is complicated because bad stuff grows right along with good stuff. Uh, the growth of the kingdom is complicated because its, its beginnings are very inauspicious. And its growth, its growth is complicated by the fact that it's so hidden. We can't, it's immeasurable. You can't measure or even watch yeast working. You just have to trust it is. That's what those parables are saying, and you may think, great, thank you, Pastor, that's very helpful for me to know about parables and what they're saying. The next question is, so what? Whoa. What does this mean to me? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. What does it mean to me? Uh, every parable, every parable is an answer to a question. Almost every one of Jesus' parables, he's responding to a question that his disciples ask, we're asking then, and a question that his followers ask now. So let's put on our thinking caps. What's the question that Jesus answered as he told these parables? Do you see how he began? He said, I'm going to put a parable in front of you. Think of that as a teaching device if you had a student and they had a question and they were pondering and cogitating and you didn't want to just say, hey kid, here's the answer. You would, you would, let me put an idea in front of you. Let me ponder this. So Jesus puts three parables in front of them to answer a question. What's the question? Class? It's a question that you ask. It's a question I guarantee that every sincere follower of Christ has asked at some point in time. And it's the question... I guess there's no real succinct way to ask this question, but the question it goes something like this. Okay, Jesus, I believe, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you are the high king of heaven, as, one, as we sing in one of our great hymns. You're the high king of heaven. You're the Lord of the earth. You are the Lord of the church. You are the Lord of my life. I believe it. It says so in your word. I trust it. But the, the challenge is, and the question I have is, when I, when I open my eyes to the world around me, when I look, at, take my eyes off the Bible in this hand, look at the newspaper in this hand, it just doesn't seem to measure up. Right? Let's think about the parable of the wheat and the weeds. The wheat and the weeds, bad, bad stuff growing right along with good stuff. So this, uh, yesterday, I returned from a family funeral, uh, making it, it was a, a, a sad passing, but a timely passing of a good life, but that does make three funerals in about five months. Um, I'll head down tomorrow to a, uh, to a parent to begin packing them up to move a family member due to a loss. And these are all uh, the normal difficulties that are part of life and part of growing up, and you've probably faced them, and if you haven't faced them, then you certainly will face them, but you know, it just feels a little bit like weeds, like a lot of weeds in life right now. I hate gardening because weeds are intractable. You pull up a weed, you know what happens? It grows right back. And weeds are, are such a part of life. I tried to convince my wife to, that we should just astroturf our front yard. 
and did not gain any traction. <laughs> and so we have weeds. And weeds are part of life. And I have them, and you have them, and they come in all shapes and forms and fashions, and they come in the form of minor inconveniences and major catastrophes and everything in between, and they affect all areas of your life, from your personal life to your professional life to who knows. Weeds are a part of life. And we can think, Jesus, if you, who, if you are who you say you are, then why are there so many weeds? And if you've ever asked that question, well, Jesus has a story for you. And the story goes something like this. A sower sowed seeds, and some of that seed grew into good wheat. But there are other forces at work in the world other than God. There's the enemies of God, and he is at work in this world too. And the bad things, and therefore bad things happen, and weeds grow. And for some reason, God, who is in control of all things, lets the weeds grow. And we don't like it. We don't understand it. But at least Jesus knows it's going on. And he says, he assures us that one day there will be a separation. One day the weeds will be separated from the wheat. All the things that cause us pain and all the things that cause us anguish and tears, and they'll, they'll all be gathered up and, and done away with. Right? That's what the parable says. But... You just have to wait. Right? That time is not now. Those, those weeds are going to grow. The parable of the wheat and the weeds. What about the parable of the mustard seed? That parable ends with all the birds of the forest finding a home in the shelter of a tree. Most think that that's symbolic of all the people of the world, all the nations of the world finding a home within the church. And all, all the, everyone's going to flock to Christ's kingdom here on earth, flock to his church, and all, everyone's going to find a home here in Christ's one church, his kingdom. And that sounds great, doesn't it? It's a great image of Christ's church. And then we open up our eyes and think, wait, 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 wait. All the nations of the world are not flocking to Christ's church. They're fleeing it. And for many reasons, many occasions, good reason. And we can think, gosh, the, the kingdom of God looks like a little useless, dried up seed. And if you've ever been unimpressed with the people of God, Jesus has a story for you. There's a little seed, <laughs> just a, a two-millimeter seed. And, and one day, uh, the church will be that beautiful sheltering tree. But you just have to wait. You just have to wait. The parable of the mustard seed. What about the parable of the yeast? Another potential source of disappointment. Not only can we be disappointed by the amount of weeds that are in our life, not only can we be disappointed by the, uh, the church's lack of impressiveness, we can also be disappointed as we look at our own spiritual growth, right? So the thinking may go, you know, I trust in Christ and I, I want to be more like him and 
I want to grow and I want to advance and become a more and more saint-like, but unfortunately my life just feels like a spiritual merry-go-round. <laughs> and I keep on bumping into the same basic sins that I encountered when I first began following Christ. If there is growth, it is immeasurable and for the most part unnoticeable. And if you've ever felt that way, Jesus has a story for you. It's a story of a of a, of a woman with, who took some yeast, buried it in a lump of dough. What Jesus is saying is that he's active in your life, like yeast is active in that loaf of bread, but he's active in, in, in unnoticed and often in immeasurable ways. You just have to wait. You see, I bet there were people in Jesus' original audience, original hearers, whose thought process was something like this. Okay, Jesus, if this is who you claim to be, why are there so many weeds? Why does evil still persist? Why is the, the people of God, why are they so unimpressive? Why does change seem to be so uh, immeasurable or elusive? And I bet there were some in that original hearing of this parable who thought, you know, if that's Christ's kingdom, no thanks. And I'll bet there's some here this morning who think the same. The weeds are too numerous. God's people too unimpressive. Progress is too slow. If this is the kingdom of Christ, thanks, but I'll pass. And these parables are for you. And they offer a twofold encouragement. The first encouragement is that Jesus knows he's not surprised by any of these things. The weeds are real. The seed is unimpressive. Progress is immeasurable. But the second word of encouragement is the encouragement to just wait. One day, the mixed field will be divided. And Jesus will do away with all that is evil and all that is tears and all the weeds of this age. And in Jesus' explanation of this parable, we're told that the righteous will shine like the sun. But that's, that's to come. One day, the unimpressive seed will spring into a great tree. And the church will shine like the bride of Christ that she is. One day the unleavened loaf will be fully leavened. One day we'll be free from the sin that so easily entangles. One day. But until that day, Jesus tells us these parables to say, I hear you, I hear you, you just have to wait. The life of the believer is not an easy path to glory. But it is an inevitable path. The glory of the church is not a present reality, but it is a certain reality. The transformation of the believer, the follower of Christ, doesn't occur in measurable change, but it is a guaranteed change. Draw our thoughts together by thinking about a little seed. Let's just focus on that mustard seed. You know that seeds in general are the most fatty foods, foods you can eat. They're the most high-calorie uh, foods occurring in nature. And why? Because everything that's necessary for a tree, for that seed to grow into a tree, is is packed into that little seed. So the, the end, the big tree, is present 
in the beginning, in that little seed. And I believe that if, if and when you, you call upon the name of Christ and, and you acknowledge that he, uh, you believe that he is who he says he is, and you, you welcome, into, welcome him into your life to be the Lord of your life, then I believe a seed has been planted in your life. Just a little seed. And I believe that seed's going to grow. But these parables suggest that the growth of that seed is not easy. It's not always measurable. It's not always going to be grand. But it is certain. So our path to glory is not a straight path. It is not an easy path. But friends, it is a certain path. And I find that very encouraging.